Friends, welcome back to Free to Love. Our hope and prayer is, as always, that these conversations serve as a resource that educates, inspires, and equips you to join the growing tribe of individuals and communities that are saying yes to the healing journey. Last week in episode four, we began a discussion centered around the theme of identity. Our belief is that understanding identity, the forces that shape it, and the role that it plays in guiding our beliefs, thoughts, and actions is of crucial importance. So we continue this week excavating the implications of God as Father and the framework of children of God, how healthy communities of practice can reparent us, the role and importance of rediscovering our intrinsic childlikeness and a capacity for wonder which are all vital for our healing. Finally, Jeff walks us through the three chairs model, a helpful exercise and mental model that will guide you in developing a deeper awareness of yourself and reality. It's really a tool that you can put into practice to map where you are in any given moment or situation. So as you listen to this week's conversation, our prayers that you are met by the Spirit of God who brings to mind and heart key moments, memories, and insights that will unlock for you a greater freedom to love. Thanks for joining us on this journey. God be with you. Jeff, Jennifer, as always, it is wonderful to be with you, and I'm looking forward to having this conversation (laughs) With you guys, uh, before we jump into it, I'm going to attempt a, a little bit of a recap of last week. Last week, we began a crucial conversation around this concept of identity, and we had a bit mm-hmm. of a wide-ranging conversation where we explored some of our own stories, which was really wonderful, and we talked about some of the forces that shape identity. Mm-hmm. And so to try and tee up this episode where we're going to dive deeper into um, the role that spiritual formation and the spiritual truths that we believe undergird this whole thing, how those shape and inform our identity. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see if I, I see, see if I can try and recapitulate what we uh, were wrestling with last week. One of the things we want to be clear about, the title of this podcast is Free to Love, Transforming Pain to Peace. Mm-hmm. Essential to key to that freedom is having a truthful understanding of our own identities. So mm-hmm. one thing that we have to be honest about is that the process of identity formation begins the moment that you're born. We acknowledge mm-hmm. a lot of different forces that shape and have shaped all of our identities. Yeah. Your intimate family system shapes yep. your identity formation in a profound way. The broader culture that you are immersed in Mm-hmm. powerfully shapes that traumatic experiences really shape a sense of self-identity. But the fundamental claim of our podcast is that as Christians, we believe that when you encounter God and when you say yes to God, inviting him into your life, what happens is that there's actually a profound break, a divergence. You know, you can imagine two paths diverging in a quiet wood. And what we begin is this process, this journey of reforming our identity. Jeff, I've heard you say it, is that we're being reparented. 
And that's grounded in our belief about who God is and his identity as God the Father. So that's part of what we're going to be unpacking in this episode. And that mm-hmm. that central claim that, hey, fundamentally, what needs to ground our identity is who God is and who he says we are is, right. is a radical claim that challenges pretty much all of the other forces that we just named yes. um, that we see in, in the world around us. Yes, we are making the claim that your identity is God-given and that it still remains true despite all other experiences, mm-hmm. <laughs> all other things the world may tell you, no matter all these other lies that you may believe in your own head, we are claiming that God has given each and every person an identity mm-hmm. because he hand-knit us together. Mm. Um, he touched each one of us and gave us life and breath and has given us an identity whether we feel like it or not, um, it is true, and that's our claim. And so we're pitching to everyone <laughs> um, that life um, can be lived in a whole different way when we operate out of that God-given identity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well said. Thanks, Jen. <laughs> Thanks for that summary there, Joseph. That was, <laughs> that was well, well said. You can brought a whole lot of loose threads together, so I appreciate it. Well, so Jeff, if that's what we're claiming, um, I think a question we have to answer is how does God see us? Or what would you say is mm-hmm. um, this primary grounding identity for us? Yeah, uh, that is at the heart, and you guys have already shared, is to understand God's view of us determines everything about our lives, how yeah. we perceive ourselves needs to be grounded in God's word and what mm-hmm. the Father, what God uh, the Father says about us. And not only that we see it and we hear it, but we need to embody it. We need to embrace it. We need to experience the reality of how God sees us. And that process is called transformation. Yeah is not only just that we read the Bible and we, uh, or we hear about what God says about us, but it's more about how can we, how does that, we take it from our head into our heart and we begin to believe that, and then we embody it and we experience it and we feel it and then we live that out. That's the journey of transformation. So it's important that we truly identify these terms, these characteristics of how God sees us. And I I say that because vocabulary matters. Mm. Mm. And we need to identify what God says about us because it is attached to our mind, the mindset. Mm. Our mindset will then determine our behavior. And so this is the journey that we want to unpack uh, during this podcast, I see. And how does God see us? Yeah, he getting back to the question. As, so, yeah, He sees us as um, His children, yeah. sons and daughters. Yeah. Um, some of the things that, I mean, some just basic truths that the Bible tells us that we are chosen, mm-hmm. that our lives are intentional. Um, Psalm 139 says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's each and every one of us. Whether we feel like it or not when we look in the mirror, uh, whether we feel like we're a failure that day or not, we Mm -hmm. are 
truly fearfully and wonderfully yeah. made. And yeah. his fingerprints are in us and on us. He is our creator. Yeah. That's something about our identity. Um, so t- tying that in scripturally, Jen, is yeah. Matthew 18, 1 through 5. And this is what Jesus says as he's speaking to his disciples. He says, then... Uh, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like a little child, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Wow. And then he, then he says, therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. So that's, gosh, that's at the heart of our spirituality is we need to start our spiritual journey to see ourselves as a child of God. Mm -hmm. One of the things I I love about using this idea of um, this familial sort of language uh, with regard to God and with regard to us, is we talked about last week, shame is a universal human experience, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So that's incredibly powerful. Uh, so it needs a powerful antidote. And uh, every single person who's ever lived has been born and yes. um, has been a child mm-hmm. and has seen a child, right? So it is incredibly accessible. Uh, and that's something that I've just recently becoming to appreciate more and more. Um, cause it, at first blush, it can be kind of strange to be like, eh, I don't want to think of my, I'm an adult. I don't want to think of myself as a child. Um, but as we, I think as we unpack this more, it'll make sense why that language of seeing ourselves as a child of God mm-hmm. is really important and instrumental to allowing us to reclaim and to build and to receive this new, more truthful identity. Yeah. Because there's a, there's an inherent worth Mm. and value that every child has, not based on performance, not based on Mm -hmm. earning a thing, not based on any of those those things that we as adults often attach to our worth and our value. But a a baby, (laughs) I mean, it's a hotly debated thing of even when that begins, right? The Mm -hmm. worth of a, Mm -hmm. I don't know, when that spark of life happens, there is worth and value to mm. that human mm-hmm. that is God-given um, without that child having earned a thing of it. Yes. And I, that's why I think it's helpful to think of ourselves in that way because I it reminds us, to think of yourself as a child of God reminds us that we are vulnerable, we are human, mm-hmm. we are fragile and um, imperfect mm-hmm. and utterly helpless. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I have a three-year-old, and so I... I just was walking through this. This child has yes. done nothing. <laughs> there's no benefit for me. Like, there, there, I mean, there's tons of benefit, but like, yeah. I'm saying this child is completely needy. Yeah. This yes. baby is completely needy. And I have to get up multiple times in the night, right? I have to do all these things to care for this child. This child has done nothing and yet <laughs> utterly loved, yes. utterly worthy, utterly, utterly valuable. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so I think we. Those of us, I mean, who are covered in shame, who are covered in performance mm-hmm. issues, who are covered in all these things, need that reminder that we are children. I am a child of the living God. I am, it is okay. I have full permission to be utterly human in yes. his arms, utterly helpless, utterly vulnerable, 
and I have all of the value and all of the worth because he has said so, because I am his right there. Mm. And I'm, this is this mm. is where why this stuff is so revolutionary yes. because I mean if you really believe that about yourself mm-hmm. and you knew that about yourself, it would change how you respond when you fail. It would change how you respond yeah. to all these things. And I think that's what we're gonna yeah. get into as we discuss these things in the mm. coming weeks and even today. So yes. you know it's interesting part of as I'm reflecting on my own journey on the in the process of change, um, that <laughs> The, the closer I get to to Christ uh, and the and seeing the transformation of my own heart in life, the irony is I'm actually rediscovering those childlike characteristics in me. Yeah, you know, and that in many ways that I had buried my past from my past wounds and difficulties and um, you know, in the the disconnects I had with my family and so forth that I buried these major profound intrinsic characteristics that I'm now rediscovering. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example is uh, I think I'm more playful now than I've <laughs> than I've been in so many yeah. years because yeah. I've been driven by this sense of performance. The other thing that's been an awakening and awareness with me, the, the sense of wonder mm-hmm. of being able to be present and mm-hmm. um, and to be more attuned to uh, you know, the world to people, um, to be more present, to be more sensitive to those type of things. Those are all childlike feelings that I had buried for so long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the, but when we get to return to this um, reality that God says, I love you and mm. you are so worthy that I'm willing to die for you. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to die to set you free. I am willing to die to give you life. Mm-hmm. And that is the basic gospel message. Um, and so that is the identity that we get to embrace and yeah. own about ourselves, mm-hmm. that we are so deeply loved, mm-hmm. we are so deeply valuable and worthy, that we have a that we belong. We belong to him, we belong to the family of Christ, we belong to we have purpose and we mm-hmm. are called. Um, as children of God, we are anointed mm-hmm. and appointed and empowered by his Holy Spirit. Um, Ephesians 210, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he created in advance for us to do in Mm -hmm. him. We are his masterpieces called with a purpose Mm -hmm. for him. Mm -hmm. Um, This is our God-given identity. And as we're talking about the work of God in our lives and, and through his love and feeling safe with him, that it allows us to come to that place of vulnerability and humility of being more childlike is I realize mm-hmm. that's the scriptures talks about in Romans 8, that's the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And it says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And then Paul goes on and says, the Spirit you receive does not make you slaves. And we're talking about we want to be free to love. Mm-hmm. So he says that you receive... The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Mm-hmm. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And I love this. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit 
that we are God's children. So not only is that their objective truth to that, but we see that it's taking us in this journey of of maturity mm-hmm. is the it's counterintuitive. The more mature you become in your faith, actually you're become you're mm-hmm. actually experiencing this sense of dependency on the Father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a powerful thing to point out, Jeff, because so often I see and hear people defining maturity in a totally different way. They're defining they often um, whether explicitly or implicitly, define maturity as um, greater achievement, as greater accumulation yeah. of material goods, uh, particularly in the faith world, a greater accumulation of knowledge mm-hmm. about God or mm-hmm. about Scripture, you know. And we have all, I'm sure, if you spend much time around us Christians, you'll meet many a hypocrite. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I know, I know for myself, man. I spent uh, years of my life getting multiple theological degrees, and uh, that did not equate to me growing in maturity in my faith. And you could measure that in so many ways by uh, how I viewed myself, how I treated myself, and how I treated other people. Right. So I mean, yeah. I love that you are yeah. defining maturity in a different way for us, Jeff. Because some people do that same thing even with age. They define mm-hmm. maturity by age. Sure. Um, and we're not saying that just because you've added years to your life, that automatically makes you spiritually mature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it's exactly what you just said, Joseph. Like, we could have lived years and years and years and still be operating from not walking in really mature understanding of our own identity yeah. of who God yeah. says we are and how we love other people oh, that's, around us. That's so true. I'm just thinking immediately of how many times I've heard people who I don't necessarily trust to be spiritual authorities invoking how long they've been a Christian yeah, mm. um, or people or invoking how long they've been married. Um, mm. Not to denigrate any of that. I mean, it's, it is an incredible achievement to, uh, in this day and age, uh, to remain married for a, a lifetime. And it's a value that we all aspire to. Um, but it does not mean that the marriage was good or healthy mm. or, you know, yeah. mutually edifying or that it shaped people more into the image mm. and likeness of Christ. Yeah. You're talking about a different kind of maturity here, Jeff. You're talking about a maturity of understanding and of, you want to maybe you, how, describe this maturity for us. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, when I think about maturity from a Christian worldview is one of the major characteristics is dependence. Mm. Um, and so when I, I think the confusion is in the world, we think that the more mature you are, the more independent, the greater sense of autonomy. Mm-hmm. Um, that, and, and almost your mindset is that, you know what? I don't need anybody. Mm. I've got this. Um, but it's counterintuitive to what really what uh, God says about us and who we are is the the more mature we become in our faith is there's a greater sense of desperation and a dependence mm-hmm. on not only in our relationship with God but our dependence on other people and we call that interdependence because mm-hmm. we don't want to be codependent but having a greater sense of of need and a desire to be in community. Uh, mm-hmm. To see our sense of identities certainly grounded in who we are and how God sees us, 
But that's the beauty of the church is then is there's something that draws us to a family, a family of God. And so as we talk about being sons and daughters of God, we're also part of the family of God. And that's a natural, supernatural process of learning how in our dependency or interdependence, growing in love with others, that we can become more caring, more empathetic, and see our value and worth in a larger community in the family of God. Yeah. I feel like you're also talking about the abiding with him. Mm-hmm. He is yes. the vine, we are the branches, and maturity is recognizing how we are completely connected to the vine, and he is the like we can't operate independent from that. And I feel like maturity is is learning how to abide with him. Yeah. Jeff, I want us to move into a really powerful metaphor that you, um, I've seen you use in teaching classes. You've used in sessions with me before um, this concept of the three chairs. But before we do that, uh, and I'm, I'm looking at some of the material in front of me here that you've written, and you have this really helpful distinction between chosen child of God and an orphan, right? So mm-hmm. having an identity rooted in this belief that we are beloved children of God, um, and comparing that in distinction to an orphan mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, before we jump into the three chairs, I, yeah. I was wondering if you could just unpack both of those for our listeners really quick. Yeah. Uh, so using this concept, and this concept uh, is, was used by Jesus in John chapter 14, and he, he speaks to his uh, disciples uh, the night before he is to be crucified, and he's he's letting them know which he'd been he had been preparing them at least seven other conversations he's had with them that he's going to go to the cross and he's going to die, and he's preparing them that I'm going to be leaving you, and and the the intentionality of of Christ preparing his disciples to go was for the primary purpose of understanding he's not going to leave them alone. He's going to leave, his physical body is going to leave, but it's important that he leaves so he sends them the Holy Spirit. Mm. And, he, and then he says, I believe it's in John 14, maybe it's 24, uh, he says, and I will, no, I will not leave you alone as orphans. Yeah. So he uses that concept of orphans. And if we really understand what is an orphan, is an orphan basically is one who has no home. Um, and an orphan is one who's lost his identity because he's been rejected or been um, abandoned by his family, by his mother and father. So it's a really it's a powerful term that Jesus, you know, Jesus uses. And I think what I understand, and I would I would also speak. On my own journey, there are times that I have functioned, I have seen myself, um, I have felt that I have been an orphan in having that mm-hmm. mindset of an orphan. So, in comparison, what is an orphan? What is an orphan characteristic in the category of an, between an orphan and a child of God? What are the distinctions and in, in the characteristics that we can that we can compare with these? And so, just a few of the, uh, just a few of these is to know that you're a chosen child of God, it, it allows us to rest in our identity in Christ. So resting 
in a place of safety and security is critical to understanding our identity as a child of God, as opposed to an orphan who, for the most part, we're restless. Um, there's a sense of anxiety. Uh, we don't feel safe. Uh, we feel this compulsive, anxious um, um, tendency to want to realize that I've got to take care of myself because I'm all alone. Uh, another component of chosen child of God is that we are secure in his grace. Um, we're, we understand his unconditional love. We understand that God has given us the gift of his Holy Spirit. He's given us the gift of forgiveness as opposed to an orphan, even though we maybe intellectually we know that God has died for us, but on a but more on a um, psychological, emotional perspective is we're, we're insecure uh, in our own works, and which then leads us into not into that of trusting God, but, be, but performing for God. And then a the last one I'll just speak about is, is that sense of dependence, is learning to be dependent uh, on his spirit as a child of God, as opposed to we just don't trust we don't trust ourselves. We don't trust other people. Um, so where there's a sense of suspicion. And the, all those characteristics of an orphan leaves us in a place of feeling all alone. It leaves us in a place of, of insecurity, of pushing people away, um, living out of our own sense of, of, um, con- of, of fear and anxiety. And, and we seem to perpetuate that mindset. And we know we call that our pain cycle. Yeah. Or you said pushing people away, but it could also be um, an over neediness. That's true. Where mm-hmm. I I pull everybody close and mm-hmm. I try and be I've I have no identity. I will be whatever you want me to be. Um, is also a, an aspect of that might be another reaction to being an orphan. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. I I'm trying to find a home anywhere and everywhere, and I'll even put up with unhealthy things mm. in order to have that sense of home. Because I'm terrified to be feel abandoned or alone, yeah. I will try and control people, mm-hmm. keep them close, right? Yeah. Well, um, how does a person go from being a chosen child of God to <laughs> an orphan? Or a, Well, I think um, you, you listed out a little bit, if you are following along with the, the material here, there's some relational laws on, on page mm-hmm. 24 mm-hmm. of the Identity um, Skills 2 workbook there. And I think um, it kind of describes, because, you know, God may... God's hope, God's heart is that we will all be born into beautiful, wonderful environments and family systems that yes. tell us that we are worthy and that we are valued and we do belong and that we are seen and unique and special and we are called and yeah. all those wonderful things. But I don't know anybody who's ever gotten to That's experience right. that yes. their whole life. Yeah. <laughs> so pretty quickly, we are in a fallen world That's and right. things, yeah. we don't get to grow the way God really loves and intends for us to grow. And so um, there. Therein lies relational law number one, yes, yeah. which says that if a child does not acquire their relational needs through their, you know, their their primary environment, their primary caregivers, they naturally create what you call here a survivor or an orphan mm-hmm. identity. Yeah. Or um, like Brendan Manning in his book Abba Father kind mm-hmm. of refers to it as an imposter. That's right. Or yeah. a false self mm-hmm. um, in order to protect themselves. Yeah. I think that's what you were kind of getting there, Jeff, with the the coping. We. We don't experience this kind of love. That's right. And so we automatically go into survivor mode. 
Yes. And start doing these coping things mm-hmm. that may work temporarily, but they don't set us up for a thriving, flourishing, abundant life that I think Jesus yeah. really intends for us. Yeah. Do you want to... You know, do you have yeah, I, I think, for us there, and this Jeff? is what we realize in our in our skills classes is that we have an opportunity in a safe, loving environment and with confidentiality to unpack our story, mm. and mm-hmm. and to unpack our story is to is to really understand is where in our journey of life from our family of origin to our walk into the kingdom of God is where are those events and circumstances and crisis in our life that have had profound impact on how we perceive ourselves, how we look at God, how we how we look at our uh, friends, our family, and understand, we have to understand that in our journey of life, that in our history, there have been pretty significant traumas that have impacted how we see ourselves, our identity. So, Part of the journey of transformation is to be able to sit in understanding our story. And so um, one of the things as I understand, as I look at my own life, is I've done a deep dive of my own journey. And in doing that, understanding where did my lies come from um, that I believe uh, about myself and the really impact of my identity is one of the things I realize is that m- when it comes to understand the, neuro- the neuroscience of our brain, is that our identity and how we perceive ourselves is really formed in the first two years of our life. So what, what does that mean? Is that means that our, our family of origin, our relationship with our mother and father really do determine not just cognitively, but not just cognitively, but really more importantly, implicitly, is how we're feeling about ourselves. What do we sense about our identity? Is the world safe? Um, am I loved? Mm-hmm. And understanding those those two primary pillars of of relationships and of anatomy of relationship is we need to know that we're loved, which is our identity, and we need to feel that we're safe and secure, mm-hmm. which is trustworthiness. So if there's been violations of that, and we all have those areas of violation, it may not just be with mom and dad, it may be with relatives, it may be with a coach, um, maybe an experience we had growing up how we've interpreted situations. There's small T traumas, there's big T traumas. And so these things have impacted and has um, been, we've internalized some of these experiences that have become, uh, laid the foundation of our identity. So just to give you one uh, particular experience that I had is that I don't really remember, I have very little recollection of my life from birth till I was nine years old. Mm. Wow. So I, I, I don't have much recollection. I don't have those emotional memories of having interactions with my father. Or I, don't, I don't have those times of him taking me fishing or sitting in the car and having deep conversations. Or I don't have memories of him putting his arm around me or that sense of entunement and daring me of saying how much I love you. And the reality is I look back at because of my father's woundedness and the way that he was raised, that actually he passed down this, he passed down from his generation, the way he was raised, mm. uh, that I experienced this sense of disconnection, mm-hmm. of a lack of uh, a deprivation of emotional touch and connection. So, so the, the question is, what does it mean if you don't have much of a memory mm. uh, early on in your life? And 
So what I understand now is that what that means is that I didn't have those profound experiences of nurturing and connection. And yet on the other hand, our brain has, has the ability, if we have experienced some level of trauma, then our brain is to protect ourselves, we will suppress or bury those mm. traumas, those memories, in order for us to function. So, so just one of the spiritual laws is understanding that we are having to unpack early on in our life to accept the fact that our identity was grounded in early years of our life, and how do we begin to unpack that? Mm-hmm. It's a powerful way of uh, of looking through the lens of attachment theory um, and how that maps uh, onto scripture, which is a really thrilling and exciting um, experience. And I'm sure we'll talk about attachment more as the season goes on mm-hmm. because it's an incredibly powerful insight. Uh, that's emerged over the last several decades to help people understand identity, what shaped them, and then also how to um, take steps towards freedom. And mm-hmm. um, it's you said it was identity is most shaped in the first two years of life. Is mm-hmm. that right? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Well, I mean, Jen, you've got a three-year-old, I know. and yeah. I know you, you've got to pick up a three-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I want to give respect your role <laughs> yeah, as a mother, right. being yeah, an attuned uh, and caring mother. So if you need Talk to talk about pressure, I'm like, oh, she's already three. Wow, what have I done? What yeah. have I not done? Oh my gosh, what has she learned so far about who she is? Oh, you're getting so in your pain cycle. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I guess you're right. She's three. So, I mean, you can be late. It'll I be blow, fine. Yeah. She, already. There we go. No. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, what a great opportunity. I wish I wish I knew this material when I was a father having a three year old. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's not only for us, right? It's, it's right. not only for us to know who we are and That's who God right. says about us and for us to be, you know, reassessing our stories and, and where have we let lies enter in about our identity? Where have we. Mm-hmm. Um, integrated lies into our belief about who we are and, and what how are we operating out of that. But it also gives us this um, inspiration, this motivation, this, uh, this roadmap for, gosh, I want to heal, mm-hmm. not just for myself, but so that I can raise my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, we can raise our children. We can, we can have marriages and households yeah. that where we are living out of the truth. And, and I, can get, I can help teach my daughter that she is a beloved child of God mm-hmm. and that she is accepted and wonderfully made and, yeah. and seen without having done anything. That's right. Totally. Yeah. You can imagine that. I mean and the, and the opportunity you have, and this is for all of us, is realize we can break we can break the the bonds and the curses of our past generation. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. scriptures clearly talks about the the sins of the fathers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a generational curses and 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 strongholds are generational. However, we don't even know that. Mm-hmm. Because they're so intrinsically part of who we are, and the opportunity as understanding that we are sons and daughters of Christ is that journey of ex- not only knowing that but experiencing that is we begin to break those bonds and experience a freedom to be more loving. And so, one of the things we want to encourage people is what we would consider really three steps uh, of this transformational journey. Is first we need to develop an awareness of ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, how many times the scripture says, Lord, Lord search my heart, oh God. Um, yeah. And then secondly, is that we need to begin to unpack our story. You know, it's, uh, you know, that old saying that if you don't learn from your history, you're condemned to repeat it. Mm-hmm. 
And, and so just that we can slow it down in discipleship, that with God's grace by His Spirit and His Word with other people, is we can slow down and begin to unpack this journey of transformation, in which from a biblical standpoint, number three is putting off the old self. Yeah. And that's, that's really what is the process of both Colossians and Ephesians, Ephesians 4 says that we need to put off our old self, which we're describing here as the survivor person yes. sitting in the survivor chair, that we got to put off the that old self. self. Yeah. yeah. And then and then put that off, take it off, and how do we put on the new self, which is created in Christ Jesus? So when we're talking about the newness is walking into that place. We're a new creation. We're new sons and daughters. We, you know, we have a new identity. Uh, we so this sense of living in that place of newness is really the uh, understanding the journey of healing and freedom. Yeah, and a lot of that taking off of the old and putting on of the new is breaking thought patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the renewing of the mind. It's the transforming the mind. Um, the Romans twelve, and and so it is like you were saying, Jeff. We have to assess what we are thinking and how we are believing. What thoughts do cross our mind, um, how are we responding to things, and how does that come out in our actions, and then um, challenging those unhealthy ones. Yeah. Those... How long does that take? Do you know, Jen? <laughs> it, it takes a lifetime, Jeff. Right. It takes a lifetime. We three are... Yeah. Let's make that clear to anybody mm-hmm. listening. Yeah. We three are not sitting here doing this podcast because well, we have arrived. perfected this. <laughs> right. No, daily. We were just talking before we started mm-hmm. filming about how we were... Each of us in our pain cycle <laughs> earlier Get this triggered. week, yesterday, uh, every day. talking about what was triggering us. Um, yeah. And by trigger, we mean what were the things that kicked up those lies to start yeah. circling mm-hmm. again mm-hmm. Um, and how we immediately go into our coping. And we were just calling ourselves out and going, okay, this is where I was mm-hmm. believing a lie yesterday and I was already trying to cope right. by controlling everything. Mm-hmm. And But the truth is, is I, I do have value and I don't have to prove anything. It's okay for me to be human. I can give myself grace and give Mm -hmm. grace to others. Mm -hmm. That was mine right there. Did my four steps for you. (laughs) That's great. And and so what you just said, uh, it's really one of the relational principles is that in our pain, when we do get triggered, is that our propensity in our old nature is to go back to our old coping mechanisms or be ways that we used that actually were created to protect that little wounded child. So our coping mechanisms were created um, and are imprinted into our brain and into our flesh, and they become habitual, automatic, and they become our those deceptive lies mm-hmm. that we buy into. So part of knowing our story is, is beginning to unpack uh, not only our lies, but then how do we cope. Well said, Jeff. Um... I know there's a, a number of different relational principles here that um, we're going to unpack, but I think Jen, you've I'm got to duck out. You've and got go to get g- my little three year old daughter, go. so she knows a, that connected, people attuned. show up for her. <laughs> there you Great. go. Um, well, hey, Jen. Well, thanks for sitting down with us for the few minutes that you had, yeah. and uh, we'll see you next week. But Jeff, I'm gonna I'm gonna push you to unpack for us um, after Jen leaves this idea or this image of these three different chairs. Mm-hmm. I don't think we have time to in depth unpack all mm-hmm. of the seven different kind of relational laws that you have identified, but mm-hmm. we've we've talked about a number of them. I'd love it if we could use our remaining time for you to walk us at least briefly through this uh this concept and this tool of the three chairs. And before 
before Jeff jumps into that, I would love for you, listener, to picture in your mind three chairs sitting in front of you in the room. Um, to the left is the very smallest chair, a chair that you could see a small child sitting in. Um, to its right, there's going to be a slightly larger chair, say one that, you know, maybe a, a 12 or 13-year-old could sit in. And then a full-size chair that you as an adult would find comfortable. So keep that image of those three chairs um, right at the front forefront of your mind that'll help you identify some of how uh, Jeff is going to unpack this. Yeah. So one of, one of the questions that we ask uh, in the group as we begin to unpack the three chairs is, which chair do you find yourself sitting in during this season of your life? And mm. so what are the three chairs? As we've already unpacked that there's this child, the little child chair, and, and that is rediscovering our childlike spirit, rediscovering uh, our innocence and, and developing a dependency on our Heavenly Father. Um, and so those are, those, there are major characteristics that we really need to understand of wanting to be like that little child again, which through our journey of life, there comes to a point when we did not experience love or we did not experience trustworthiness that we instinctively create this false self that we call our, our survivor person to protect the woundedness of the little child. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we then create, we create this narrative, which we, you know, we call it our mask, we call it false self. The Bible we call it about your old self, that, uh, that we believe in lies, uh, we, we create these life commands, um, these strongholds that protect us from our past pain that maybe do us well growing up, but as we grow up, as we become older, we become adults, that these coping mechanisms that worked growing up to protect ourselves because we didn't have people to be there for us, they actually become the weapons of the enemy to undermine not our own sense of well-being, but relationships. So, so the second chair is the survivor chair, and we describe those as is how we've learned to cope. And then the third chair is where we're, we want to move into a place of maturation and growth is the journey of transformation is going from uh, sons and daughters of God to become spiritual mothers and fathers. But the interesting thing is, is that it's real important that we cannot be, we can't be spiritual mothers and fathers until we really understand what it means to be uh, a son or daughter, until we really understand dependency and I think this is really uh, this is really important in this process of understanding what share you sit in, mm-hmm. is that you're the the capacity of living in a place of wisdom and maturity as a wise man or wise um, woman of God is really determined or predicated on the. Uh, uh, the ability and your and your willingness to sit in that little child chair. Mm. So the dependency and that sense of of need for God is what grows us and births us into maturity and growth. But the big thing we w- we're going to talk about is that understand identifying uh, what are your coping mechanisms, um, what are those what are those behaviors, characteristics, and mindsets that has been hindering you from sitting in that wise son in that wise daughter chair. So um, so I'm just going to just briefly 
help you to unpack this is uh, the number one need for a child is that of trust and that of healthy, non-sexual touch. And I really describe this also when we're in a place where we, we feel safe to be touched, to trust, um, is that really brings back to a place of innocence and safety. Well, what happened if you did not experience, uh, you didn't experience affection or you didn't experience affirmation? And this is kind of my story. As, as, uh, as wonderful as my father was, my mom and dad were married for 50 years, the reality was he never, ever verbalized that he loved me. He was not an affectionate man. He never would put his arms around me. And so I learned to, how to protect myself as I... Uh, how I coped with that was I entered in a place of shame and that of disconnecting, and that then led to family secrets. And I began to inherit the family secret. And one of the reasons why my father was not a loving, caring man was out of his own wounds, of his own uh, family wounds. And I discovered when I was 12 years old, I discovered my father actually was addicted to pornography. And so when I discovered that, now I now I took on, it was passed on to me, this profound sense of shame and living a life of secrecy. And when you live a life of secrecy, then you're also going to be a good liar. And so how do I break through that? Um, well, I have to break through that is become a wise son or daughter and, and live in a place of grace is I have to live in my truth. And to live a life of truth, I have, to, I have to no longer be shameful or live in secrecy or isolate. I need to learn to be open and honest. So a wise son and daughter, when they're sitting in their, that chair, that they become open and honest. And I'll just share one more uh, as we unpack understanding this, this process, is one of the, a second need for a child is that of feeling valued. Uh, this unconditional love, of feeling loved and valued, chosen, cherished. Um, and this is, this is the truth of who we are as followers of Christ, as children of God, that he chose us and he values us and he sees us as significant and, and worthy. Um, but what happens if you didn't experience that growing up? And actually you, then you felt devalued, you felt unloved. And as I said before, never hearing my mom or dad saying, I love you, it just wasn't part of our, the way we're raised, mm. is then feeling unloved, how am I going to cope? Well, I'm going to cope by either, um, as I said before, isolating, withdrawing, or disconnecting, and then in my relationships, if I feel like I'm not loved or cared for, I might get defensive, I can go to a place of anger, um, and then uh, you know, posture of defensiveness is... Well, how do I get out of that? Well, I have to come to a place of understanding that I am loved, that my true identity, that I am chosen by God. And instead of withdrawing or disconnecting and hiding, is that I need to engage. And so as a wise son and daughter, sitting in that chair is when I am naturally, supernaturally uh, being present, engaging, pursuing, loving people. So that's that's, that's kind of the, the journey of first understanding who we are as children of God, and then if we did not experience the blessings of the Father, if there were the needs of a child 
were not given to us and there's a deficiency of love, there's a deficiency of affection, then we're instinctively, we're going to fall into a place of coping, of blaming, shaming, controlling, escaping. And so how do we get out of that is we need to rediscover through our storytelling, we need to rediscover God's love. We need to unpack those lies and we need to bring in God's truth and his spirit to begin to break those strongholds and and to... um, uh, and to speak truth into and to begin to make agreements with God's truth in his word. And then the new actions, as we're sitting in this place of wisdom and maturity, is then we can be more creative. We can learn to be content. We can become more empathetic. We can be better listeners and be curious. So that's kind of this process as we unpack, unpack our spiritual transformation of growth is these three chairs have been powerful of beginning to slow down and understanding who you are. And and then, as I said before, is asking yourself, where do you find yourself sitting right now? Hmm. Maybe later on in this season, we'll get the opportunity for you to share some of your story through this tool of the three chairs, because I know it's been profoundly powerful for um, for a lot of people. Let me see if I can briefly summarize what I heard you saying about this idea of the three chairs. The littlest chair is what we're all born into, which is this fundamental right we have to intimacy with God, um, to experiencing a sense of blessedness and worthiness. Um, in our walking around lives, it's that right that that kid has to unconditional love mm-hmm. and care from uh, from parents, right? Safety and security. Actually, they're entitled to it, yes, which is entitled. interesting. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, at some point, they're failed, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're failed by our parents, we're failed by yeah. the world, and so this, um, this wound occurs, and it's different for everybody, and we start to develop these coping mechanisms, as you've mentioned, and that moves us from sitting in that little chair where we are experiencing union and intimacy and trust with God and with our families to this middle chair, which is this survivor chair, this orphan chair, um, and it's marked by these coping mechanisms, which helped in the short term, Yeah. right? Um, they helped us take a sense of agency, helped us feel um, safe in some capacity. Uh, but at some point along the way, those coping mechanisms, uh, that orphan mentality, that survivor person ceases, it, it, it ceases to be effective, mm-hmm. right? It actually becomes right. the obstacle between the thing that we really desire, which is loving relationship, trust and intimacy with God um, and with other people, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And you're saying that the process of healing and transformation is learning to receive the truth of who God is, who he says we are, and move into that final, occupying that final chair that you can, you have the freedom, you have the awareness, and you have the agency to actually do away with that middle chair. That's right. To yes. S- to say, hey, we don't actually need to be sitting in That's the survivor right. chair anymore. Yeah. We can, we can, communicate directly with that little child. Yeah. Um, we can reintegrate that that childlike experience with an adult awareness. Yeah, that's that's excellent. And uh, and so bring kind of as we bring this to a close is understanding that this these this metaphor 
Uh, it helps us to understand that we're always sitting in one of these three chairs. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we're walking in the truth of, of our new identity as sons and daughters of God or, or um, of we're chosen, uh, royal priesthood, you know, those, those real powerful uh, descriptions of who we are, then you will we'll be sitting in our wise son and daughter chair. And if you are in a position of rest and receiving from God, then you'll be sitting in your little child chair. Mm. Um, but if you are struggling with your identity in living from the outside in, then it's an indicator that you're sitting in your orphan survivor chair. Mm. And the beautiful thing about it is that just that we can trust in the power of God's grace through His Holy Spirit that we can enter into our new creation identity as a chosen child of God. This is, the, this is God's purpose. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in every one of the followers of Jesus Christ. Well, thanks, Jeff. I hope that today's conversation around identity um, has helped deepen people's understanding of what, it, what forces are shaping our identity and the invitation that they have through this course and, and really through Scripture as well um, to say yes to God, to begin the healing journey and to move from pain to peace, from being constricted or enslaved by these old kind of coping um, patterns and mentalities to being free to love ourselves, to love God, to love one another. So thanks so much, Jeff, for your wisdom, your insight and sharing today. And uh, looking forward to next week. Yeah. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you have questions or need help or for more information about how to take the next step in your healing journey, please feel free to email us at ftlpod at northcoastcalvary.org or head over to the relationshipresource.org to learn about what classes and resources are available to support you. A big thanks to North Coast Calvary Chapel and the Relationship Resource for making this podcast possible. Our podcast was directed and produced by Joseph Carlson and edited by Nate King. Original music by the one and only Brian McMaster. <laughs>